But I think the important part is that we realize that the body is not broken when it does these things. The body is intelligent and it is trying to speak to us. And so what I teach my clients is the language of the body, which is sensation. It's time to create a life that's better than your dreams with the I Heart My Life show. I'm Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your I Heart My Life show host. This is your one-stop shop for all things personal development meets lifestyle. So pull up a seat, get out a pen and a paper and get ready to learn. Welcome to the I Heart My Life show, Lizzie. I am honored to have you here and so excited to dive into all things postpartum. This is obviously very fresh and new for me and happening right now. So it's the perfect time to have this conversation. I know a lot of our listeners, whether they're moms or not, uh, have questions about postpartum because it's still one of those things that a lot of people don't talk enough about or don't talk openly about. So I'm excited to have this conversation. Me too. Thanks for having me so much, Emily. And how many weeks postpartum are you now or months? Where are you? 12, 12 weeks. Baby girl. Mm-hmm. You did it. That's like the hard yeah. part. <laughs> yep. So officially entering the, the next chapter after the fourth trimester. Mm-hmm. So, so proud of you. Yes. Lots to cover. Yay. So why don't you take us back and tell us a little bit about your journey and how you even came to do this work? Yes. Yeah, it kind of found me. (laughs) So yes, hi everyone. My name's Lizzie Langston. I am the postpartum coach. I'm also a mom of three kids and I'm pregnant. I'm 33 and a half weeks pregnant right now with baby number four. So boy, girl, boy, girl, it kind of worked out. (laughs) Um, I'm also a dog mom, been married for 10 years and um, that's, that's kind of my basics. But yeah, so I had three kids in four years on purpose. It was kind of my plan. I just was like, let's just do full time mom it for a while and then we'll go from there and kind of um, got lost there in the middle of that. So my first baby I had, uh, I developed preeclampsia. So I was induced at 38 weeks and six days, not too early, but the baby was quite small and I hemorrhaged postpartum. So that was really quite scary. I lost about a quarter of my blood supply. So that was baby number one was mostly just physical issues. The recovery was long and hard postpartum, like double your typical amount of time physically. And then with my second and third baby, after each of them, I developed postpartum anxiety and depression. And I had previously my whole life been a really happy person. I still am to this day. Um, you know, typical ups and downs, but I was that kid in high school. People would be like, are you on drugs? Like, you're so happy. Why are you so happy? I'm like, I just am. That's just who I am. So um, it was, it was just a totally blindsiding experience. I had no idea. Literally those words were not in my vocabulary, like depression, anxiety. I, I didn't know anyone really in my near circle that had struggled with that. So I was starting from nothing like ground zero and didn't even know to go into my OB's office. Like that's where I was at. I was just totally in the dark. And so um, it was actually a sister-in-law that said, I think this is postpartum depression. And I think you need to go see someone. So I made the really awkward extra call, like past the six week checkup. Like, can I come in and see the doctor? And they're like, what for? And I'm like, um, mental health. <laughs> so yeah, I, um, I, I hit the bottom of the barrel though. I, I was developing health issues as a result of my emotional state. Um, I had an ulcer that burst and then turned into an infection. And 
in hindsight, all of it was coming from the same place. I was just isolated. I was lonely and I felt bad for myself and I felt overwhelmed. My husband was finishing his senior year of college as a mechanical engineer major. So it was really intense. He was gone all the time. And here I had, um, I've later learned my oldest is on the spectrum and also ADHD, um, but I didn't know that at the time. So I had this like really busy, busy, busy toddler and then a newborn and then later three kids in four years. It was crazy. But, um, yeah. So basically I tried the mainstream, everything. I tried antidepressants, um, the max dosage. And in fact, we strategically with my OB's supervision, we, we upped those dosages before baby number three came hoping that we could avoid the depression and anxiety and it didn't happen. Um, I also tried therapy with a specialist in postpartum and that also didn't feel like it was really moving the needle, which was really disappointing. Um, and then we also tried the local postpartum support groups. Like I, I feel like I really gave it everything. I met regularly with my doctor and I just still was struggling. And so at one point, actually, this was after my third baby. So this was like the beginning of 2018, the very beginning of 2018. Um, we just decided to move in with my in-laws. We sold our home. My husband got a different job in a different state because it was moving across states. And we moved in with the in-laws so that they could help me with the kids. Um, my mother and father-in-law were like the most available at that time to help me. And so we moved in and that was super humiliating and embarrassing. But what it did is it gave me the space to really focus on myself and on my healing. So they would, they would take the kids a lot during the day and um, I could just sit there and figure out what I was going to do. And long story short, it was a coaching, a life coaching podcast. And I literally had never heard of life coaching. To me, it sounds kind of fluffy. Um, <laughs> I was like, what's a life coach? But um, yeah, so I found that's where I started. And then it's been, that was 2018. So it's been a few years now. And I have continued healing as I've also developed my own curriculum and coaching practice for moms. So I've mixed in lots of different modalities. I'm very body centered, very holistic, very spiritual. Um, so anything that's worked for me, I've implemented it into my programs. So it's kind of a mesh. <laughs> Thank you for sharing all of that. Yeah. And I've been diving into your podcast and I love how open and honest you are. And also open and honest in the sense that you're still going through things like we all are yeah. just because you're a coach now doesn't mean that everything is perfect no. and we have it all figured out. So no. I appreciate your honesty. Yeah, absolutely. So when you first went through all of this, um, in particular, the postpartum anxiety and depression, how did that manifest for you? What did it actually look like um, on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, it was so strange. Like my brain would just be fuzzy and numb. And I would sometimes kind of lose track of conversation if I even had a conversation to have because I was alone with the kids a lot. Um, but anytime a friend would come over and visit, I would catch myself being like, I'm sorry, can you can you repeat the question? I just was not really like things wouldn't stick very well. Um, I would fantasize about the worst case scenario happening, the what if rabbit hole, like what if my baby gets a fever tonight and then we have to go to the hospital and then I can't nurse them and then, you know, just whatever. Um, so lots of what if thoughts with the anxiety. And my trend was that my anxiety was sort of the beginning. My anxiousness took over and then it led into depressiveness. I think the anxiety just burns women out. Um, that constant being in a constant state of cortisol, fight or flight, just constantly upset or, or almost constantly, maybe not constantly, but never really getting all the way back down to baseline. They're getting worked up and then they're kind of coming down and then getting worked up. It's just so exhausting. And so after a while of, after a couple months of that, honestly, it was like full blown, just 
depressiveness. I was kind of, um, I like desserts normally excite me, right? Like a sweet tooth, Mm -mm, nothing. Like there was nothing that I could eat that would be exciting to me. And that was actually one of my first, I know that sounds so simple, but that was one of my first big red flags because one of the main um, descriptions of, of depression is that things that normally help you be happy aren't working for you or going to the gym or going on a walk. These were things that would help a little bit, but they wouldn't give me the normal release that they did. So yeah, that was, that was um, really scary. And then obviously just having sometimes when it was really severe and I hope my job as the postpartum coach is to try to help women not get to this place. But I did have intrusive thoughts that were not just sometimes I would have, you know, I would think of hurting my baby or leaving my family or whatever. And so that that's, or taking my own life, you know, and I never planned suicide. Um, but that was, that was the darkest of dark times. It was horrible. Yeah. 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 And you tried all these things. So when did you eventually land on the life coaching piece and get the support that you needed? And what in particular about life, life coaching do you think was so transformative for you? Yeah. So in the chronology, it was after my third baby. Um, I, I was I was aware of postpartum anxiety and depression going into my third pregnancy and delivery because it, it had hit me for the first time with my second. Um, but I was thinking I could avoid it. And so when it set in again, for me, it was always about three to five months postpartum. So I had my third in September of 2017. And by January of 2018, I was like not doing well. Um, and so that's kind of the chronology of, of when I found coaching was about, actually it was by about March, 2018, a couple months in, we had sold the home, moved in with the in-laws and, and that's when I found coaching. And I think what made it so impactful is I think in my, in my experience of therapy at that time, and by the way, I have a therapist right now, I absolutely adore therapy. Um, but in my experience at that time, therapy, my therapist was basically saying, you know, here's a list of things you should be doing every day. I'm going to sign my name on it. And this is your permission slip to tell your husband that he kind of needs to let you do these things. Not that he wasn't letting me, right? It was just sort of, I, I wasn't, I was actually in a functional freeze response, which if you learn about the nervous system, that means that, um, I was basically like going through the motions and getting the bare minimum done, but I was in a stress response constantly and didn't know it. So, um, coaching actually my first experience with coaching didn't teach me anything about the nervous system. I, I picked that up later as I had a sense. I just knew postpartum women needed to get in to the body level, not just the talk stuff. But I think what I loved about it was that it gave me my power back and it said, Hey, your thoughts are contributing to the way you're responding with your kids. And the, the most devastating part for me was that my kids went from being the light of my life to the most triggering part of my life. And that was the most devastating part because I became a mom because I wanted children. I love my children. And so I was like, oh, so the way I'm thinking about my kids could maybe help me get back to loving being around them. Um, and so little, like literally one thought at a time using this life coaching tool called the model, which I teach my clients and stuff, but I was able to be like, oh, I could see the effects of my thoughts on my life. And that was empowering. That gave me hope. So ultimately that was the big thing. Obviously there were more tools that came later that were necessary as well, but that was kind of the starting point that gave me the momentum and the hope. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about the nervous system and, um, 
in particular, you know, one of the things that uh, you mentioned on one of your podcasts is our nervous system essentially syncing with our kids. Mm -hmm. And so I'd love to first talk about the nervous system within us and what happens after we deliver a baby or what happened for you or what you see in your clients. And how do we know if our nervous system is essentially unregulated? Yeah. Oh, this is such a good topic. I would say most women, unless they've had prior experience with having a baby and they've really actively worked on how they transition from pregnancy to birth to postpartum, because I do believe the postpartum success starts in pregnancy, especially those last couple months of pregnancy. So basically there's, there's a few different ways. Everybody's heard of the fight flight freeze. All of us kind of are familiar with that probably, but there's also fawning and feigning. And there's also, there's also uh, something that's kind of in between all of those called a functional freeze. And that's basically when you can still be doing stuff. And this is the easiest one to miss. um, But you can still be getting things done and, and functional, but you are actually in a stress response. You haven't actually come all the way back down. And the problem with staying there is that if you're in that stress response, your body is not in the parasympathetic nervous system, right? So the sympathetic nervous system is where we're getting worked up. It's our stress responses. And that's fine. It's it's fine to get worked up during big life events, but we need to be able to shift to the parasympathetic where we slow back down and we rest and recover. And if we're never hitting that parasympathetic, that's when you're at risk for burnout. That's when often the mental health sort of, you can go all the way to psychosis, but even just like intrusive thoughts or really low quality thoughts. Like you just feel like your brain is just not, really being normal for you. Um, so that's, that's kind of the basics of what can happen with a mama postpartum, which often happens. Right. And, and one of the things that I was really interested in when I discovered your work was some of the challenges that happen for women, myself in particular, postpartum, as well as in the delivery process. So mm-hmm. hopefully everyone's listened to my podcast episode about kind of part two of our birth process. But essentially for me, as I explained to you um, in a previous conversation, I had a lot of things happen that I wasn't expecting, like my placenta not coming out, um, mm-hmm. ended up with a uterine infection, had things like hemorrhoids, had my stomach like completely my GI system like completely change and was going to the bathroom like 15 times a day, like stuff that I'm not used to experiencing and definitely didn't expect. Right. So anyway, I'm curious to know your thoughts on that because I know in one of your podcast episodes, you talk about how, um, our body, you know, manifest, manifest certain things and our body is, you know, very smart and things don't just happen. Just like you mentioned, I think in another episode, how a doctor told you, we don't know why people get high blood pressure during pregnancy. And, you know, yeah. we, we know that there are reasons the body's doing things it's doing. Yeah. So anyway, I'm curious to know if you can speak to that about what it means when certain things happen during pregnancy mm-hmm. and how people can handle that. Yeah. So this is a, a field of medicine, a branch of medicine. It's called psychoneuroimmunology. And it's basically the idea that your emotional state can actually be manifested through physical symptoms, um, diseases, discomfort, everything from a shoulder, you know, a throbbing shoulder pain issue to a thyroid disease or cancer or things like that. And um, obviously, I, I like to put a disclaimer when I talk about this because I'm like, use this 
method of looking at your physical symptoms if it serves you. But by no means does, does anybody need to use this against themselves and blame themselves for what they're going through. Because when you have health issues coming up, you need compassion more than anything. Um, that being said, yeah, I did develop preeclampsia with my first. And I I have worked a lot on my relationship with my mother specifically throughout my life and specifically after having babies. So it was something that came up um, and it's not something I had done a lot of work on going into my first delivery. And I did have that birth trauma, the postpartum hemorrhage. Um, one of my current midwives has said that when people hemorrhage, that is the the uterus crying <laughs> and it is an emotional release. And so um, there are, so that anyway, this branch of medicine, psychoneuroimmunology really does actually start to put physical symptoms and emotional emotions together. And they have found that there is a huge relation. And now in Eastern medicine, that's old news. They, yeah. They've forever, they've believed that. But Western is pretty disconnected. We're like, no, there's the physical and then there's the, motion, the emotional. Even the, the term mental health, like, no, it's mental. It's not, it doesn't have to do right. with anything here, but you can have, yeah. yeah, you can have an ulcer. Like I developed an ulcer that burst and then had an infection and that was coming from the same place my depressiveness and anxiety were, the same emotional root mm -hmm. that wasn't, mm -hmm. wasn't being addressed. And so my belief is that the symptoms are a call for your attention. So you have your subconscious mind and your conscious mind. And so my belief through working with many women and seeing this over and over is that your subconscious will actually, I call it throw symptoms or signals, um, whether it's anxiety, depressiveness, whether you develop a weird skin rash. Like I had a client that was going through some tough times in her marriage and she randomly developed a rash under her wedding ring, <laughs> right? It's like, okay, we put the two and two together. Um, or I had another client who she had really um, some pelvic pain. And this was like 18 months after giving birth to her baby. And the doctors were like, they were like, I really don't know why this is still here. You really shouldn't be hurting. There's not a physical reason that this is happening. And then, so she went through all the testing and all the appointments and was so like done with it. She came to me and we realized that she had anger stored in her pelvic area from all of the, and sadness from all of the time, you know, basically the birth did not go how she wanted. Forceps were used. She hemorrhaged. It was super scary. And she just hadn't been able to process that with anyone and really let it go and, and release it. And so it was literally just being stored in her tissues, in her pelvic area and her hips and pain, you know, sex was painful. So there's so many different ways that our body will manifest. And we, we kind of get curious and I don't actually have the answers. I don't say, oh, your pelvis hurts because X, Y, and Z. I take my clients through guided visualizations or we kind of go into like a meditative state or we just stop talking and kind of get into the body and your body will tell you, your body can, can translate to you what's going on. So yeah, it's really incredible. Yeah. I was taking some notes as you were, uh, teaching on that podcast episode and you were reading out from a certain book that yes. is all. Yeah. What is that book again? Okay. It's called the healing questions guide by okay. Wendy Jensen. Amazing. Cause you actually, you specifically mentioned the placenta and I wrote out what you said. You said the questions for me to ask myself are what psychological generational or karmic resistance am I experiencing towards this child? Mm. 
What will it take to dispel any resistance and completely embrace this new being with full love and without resistance? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought that was so beautiful. And I think that speaks to what you were saying about the work of postpartum. It needs to be done before you actually deliver. Because there are these questions. (laughs) Yeah. There are these questions and things we can be asking ourselves and should be asking ourselves before we deliver to heal and release some of the stuff that is already stored in our bodies. Yeah. And it's so hard to know, right? Like we don't know what we don't know. And so I do really have so much compassion. Like if you're a mom who had has had birth trauma. Like, don't blame yourself. Don't use this stuff against yourself. However, I want that. I want you to see that there is so much hope, especially if your birth trauma has scared you so much for having more kids. There's so many women who are like, I don't know if I can do that again. It's like, but listen, we can go into your subconscious and we can look at what was at play that kind of stopped the baby from coming out of the vaginal canal and resulted in your emergency C-section, right? Like there are fears and anxieties and generational stuff around um, becoming a mom, it's this huge transition. It's, it's so much more than just, Oh, now I'm a mom. It's like, this is the next generation that you're giving birth to. And, and so anything that's unhealed might repeat. And so that's just something to know kind of going into having, having a baby, but it's never too late. Even if you're postpartum, even if you're done having kids, even if it's been, I've literally had women say it's been a decade since I had my baby and I still don't feel like I've released it all. Like my hips still Mm. hold something. I feel like my hips are holding something. You know, they'll tell me these things. And so it's never, 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 ever too late. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I find it so beautiful because it's like anything in life. And I know that I can't compare a business to a baby, but like going through and building a business, there's lots of transformation. (laughs) There's lots of transformation that happens there. And you uncover all these limiting beliefs, all these things in your subconscious. Oftentimes there are external manifestations of things that are internal. And so of course, something as big as birthing a new life is going to bring a lot of stuff to the surface. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, the, the sweet spot is really developing a relationship between your conscious mind and your subconscious. Um, So taking journeys to your subconscious regularly, whether that's through therapy, coaching, whether it's through meditation, yoga, however you want to get there, because there's a lot that will come through if you're willing to slow down and clear your mind and listen and let it come through. Um, There's also a lot of ancestral guidance available to you as well. Like I have some beautiful stories and also personal stories with clients and stuff of of um, family members that they care, people who have passed on, they care about what you're going through and they want to help you seek solutions and find the healing that maybe they couldn't give you or they contributed to the lack of healing that you're experiencing. They really do care and are, are willing to assist as well. So you're talking about connecting with people who have already passed? Yeah. Whether you connect with them or I feel them come through or you meet with a psychic medium, I'm just saying that their presence is real and their interest in your healing is definitely there. And, mm. and they do they do want to help. And what do you – so one of the questions I wrote down was um, – to have you talk about your shadow self postpartum. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yes. So Carl Jung is the psychologist that developed this term, but this is such a good topic. I do have a whole podcast episode on it because um, basically the shadow self is the parts of you that you don't like and you're ashamed of. And sometimes it can be hard to even know what that is because we, we shame it away so deeply. Like we'll push it so hard away that we actually don't, we almost don't want to remember (laughs) 
these parts of ourselves. That's at least been my experience. And so, but part of the work of healing that I do with women and, and that everyone needs to do, whether it's with me or somebody else, that it's the journey back to your whole self and it's total unconditional self-acceptance. And in order to love all parts of yourself, you need to see all parts of yourself clearly, put them in the light. And I think what happens a lot postpartum is we're so dedicated to the roles and responsibilities and the duties of motherhood, like the actions of taking care of that baby and keeping them safe and raising them, which are all wonderful things. Um, but we don't want to deal with or see the parts of ourselves that we don't want to see that we're ashamed of for whatever reason, or especially if you've grown up in a specific religion that teaches you, you know, these are the, this is what's right. This is what's wrong. It can, you can be even more susceptible to really banning these parts of yourself. And then they can kind of come up in a not as great way because the truth is your whole self wants to be seen and loved by you. Nobody else. Like, yes, it feels good when other people love us, but like ultimately the most powerful healing frequency is love from you to yourself. And so it's just, yeah, one of the things I do help my clients do is stop pushing away and shaming and noticing where how they're doing that in a very subtle way because we even, like I said, we, we talk ourselves out of seeing these things because we are so ashamed of them. So Yeah, so beautiful. And how would someone, you mentioned a few of your clients already and people who have had babies a decade ago, people who've had babies months ago, how would you know if you are in some type of trauma response mm -hmm. or if you are experiencing abnormal symptoms or some sort of postpartum issue? How would you know? I know that sounds like a simple question, but how would you actually That's, know? No, it's a really great question. So the first thing I talk about is pleasure. And I'm not just talking about sexual pleasure, but sex does tell you like how sex feels, your experience of sex, your relationship with sex can tell you a lot. But I will just say pleasure in general, how pleasurable, like on a scale of one to 10, how easy do you find it to rest and relax into a state of pleasure? Like simple pleasure, whether it's drinking a warm cup of coffee in the morning, um, how easy do you, how much of a priority do you make your pleasure? Or do you find that you write off your pleasure easily and you kind of push it away and get other things done? So that is a really good check into the tone of your nervous system. Um, how, 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 how much do you like your libido? Do you feel like it's fully expressed or do you feel like actually you just don't make it a priority? So that's one of the, the top sort of self neglect things. When you're in survival mode, you're not focused on extra things like pleasure. Also, um, I'm not saying always is the case, but infertility or problems conceiving can also be a signal that you are not actually being able to rest and recuperate, that your body's not coming all the way down back to baseline. Um, same thing. It, it can be with miscarriages. I'm not here to diagnose anybody. I'm not here to tell you why anything that you've experienced has happened, but the body is incredible. And if it's not getting restored and relaxed all the way, then it does not, it's not able to always perform all of its functions that we want it to. So those are some of the basic ones. Other than that, just honestly, anxiousness, a racing mind, can't relax, jittery. Um, you feel like you have to stay busy or keep cleaning. Um, cleaning is a big one. Like I actually want to make a whole episode on my podcast about overcleaning wow. because yeah. I, I do it when I, so I think you can have a healthy relationship with cleaning. Like I think you can, for example, I think you can use cleaning to calm yourself. It can actually be self-soothing. So I'm not saying if you clean a lot that you're dysregulated, but I also think that instead of going inward and saying, honey, what's wrong? And really being with ourselves when we're dysregulated or when we're upset or whatever, 
we kind of just order things outside of us to compensate. And again, nothing wrong with ordering your external environment, but are you doing it instead of paying any attention to what's going on inside of you? So that would be an indicator. Yeah. I feel, again, the only thing I really have to relate this to is, is my 10 years as an entrepreneur and thinking about how many times I've felt exactly like you just described, right? And, you know, it's not just giving birth, but there's so many things in life that cause us to be in that state. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether you're a mom or not listening to this, exactly. I think it's just the theme is like tuning into your body yeah. and really recognizing what state are you actually in? Yeah. Are you avoiding pleasure? Are you constantly, you know, cleaning the the areas around you, but not actually cleaning yourself? Are you, you know, all the things that you just described. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a reminder for all of us, whether we've just given birth or not. Oh, uh, absolutely. And I want to speak on that for a second, because I know a lot of your listeners may not be moms or their moms and business owners, which a lot of my clients are both their moms and business owners. And um, I just want to say that for sure, absolutely, birthing a business and growing and nurturing a business can definitely be just as dysregulating as being postpartum. I call it business postpartum. <laughs> um, and it's a thing. And I feel like, um, you know, your, ba- your, your business starts out as a newborn and then it's a baby and then it's a toddler and then it's a, an adolescent eventually. And it, then it can be more scalable and it's an adult and it, it's very much independent of you. But that getting it to that point those are different phases and for sure they, they require different levels of attention. And if we aren't understanding and being able to recognize when we're giving too much, when we're getting caught up in it, when our nervous system is getting pulled into something, then we might not be resting and restoring. We might not be coming back to baseline and that can give us some similar symptoms. Yeah. As postpartum could. For sure. And now as you're moving into motherhood fourth time around, what have you been doing to, I want to say set yourself up for success, but that sounds, that's not the right phrasing, but what have you been doing to prepare for postpartum during your pregnancy? And then what will you do after you give birth? Such a good question. This is fun to answer because I don't think I've been able to talk about it yet. I'm always talking about after babies, right? But when you're pregnant is a great time to prepare. So it's interesting. The number one aha moment I've had, this is again, my fourth time around, I've had really bad post both, both birth trauma, but then also mental health stuff. And I realized that self-compassion is the most powerful tool that I have. Like actual, like it actually melts my, any hostility or criticism to myself. It just melts it away and I get back to neutral. And that doesn't mean that I'm not solving problems that I see happening, whether it's within my own behavior or around me, but I'm never turning against myself in that process. I'm never isolating myself or putting me in essentially like an emotional timeout because I didn't do it well enough or whatever. Um, So I'll give you an example. Uh, There was a phase in my pregnancy when I just was anxious, more anxious. And it was like kind of alarming because I thought, oh, I don't want this to grow and increase and then be a thing. And a couple of times my husband would be like, really, we're getting that upset about this right now? Like he'd look at me because he knows me really well, right? So he's seeing these changes in me and he's not exactly exhibiting compassion. He's a little bit like teasing me and kind of like annoyed. (laughs) And, um, And I instantly took on what he was offering and was annoyed and um kind of devastated, like just, yeah, annoyed and concerned and frustrated towards myself. And it was early on in my pregnancy that I I started using that tool of self-compassion and being like, oh, wait, 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 wait. Like 
there is so much going on in my body. There's so much going on in my life. At the time, my, my oldest son was just, we were just getting integrated into some behavioral therapy for him at home with therapists in our home. Like there was so much happening. My kids had just gone back to school. So, um, yeah, the self-compassion is something that, because I know that no matter how much I prepare, postpartum will be difficult. It will be challenging. It will be grueling. It always is. It, I have a healthy respect for that darkness that we go through. It's like a portal. Um, I'm not. I'm not here to be like, yeah, I'm going to set myself up so I have the perfect postpartum. Like I don't think there is a perfect postpartum. I think the darkness is part of the feminine experience of rebirth that we're going through. So it's supposed to get a little nasty, but I want to keep that cushioned and that self compassion is my main tool. So I hope that, I hope that makes sense when I say that, like, I'm trying to convey how actually powerful and potent that is. It sounds so, oh, self-compassion. Like it sounds like, like a little therapy thing or yoga thing. But like when I actually can, can send myself love in the instant that I'm also frustrated with myself, it's like so transformative. It's so transformative. Yeah. Well, whatever we resist persists. So if we're resisting that anxious state or making ourselves wrong, that there's no good that's going to come from that. Yeah. And my anxiety totally went away. It was like a test almost. So anyway, self-compassion is one thing. Um, what else? I have just been actually really paying attention to my nervous system. I, so I'm, I'm about, I'm like six to eight weeks away from having my baby. Right. And I'm a business owner. And so I was kind of in this mode last, the last couple of weeks of trying to schedule a lot of podcast interviews and trying to get podcast episodes pre-planned and pre-scheduled so they can go out while I'm on maternity leave. And my body was just like not having it. And I had to do a reevaluation this last weekend. And I just decided I might not have episodes going out the whole time I'm on, on leave. I might have a break and that I'm just going to be okay with that because my, my nervous system was not doing well with the urgency around trying to get ahead And then also like my children, when they would come home from school, I just wasn't doing enough resting and relaxing. And so I got, I spun out and I was dysregulated this past weekend. And, um, it took me two and a half, like, no, a day and a half to really realize that that's what had, that, that was my area that had been kind of getting me in a funk. Yeah. So, well, and don't you think, you know, your audience more than any other audience would respect you and completely understand if you had this break? Yeah. I was putting it on myself. I was like, my thoughts, I, cause I looked at my thoughts too. Eventually I wasn't ready for it at first. I needed to just like sort it all out physically in in my body, but eventually I got reflective and I was like, Oh, I had this thought that was like a real business owner, like a real one that takes her business seriously she always has all the episodes every week. She's super, super consistent. And then I was like, oh my gosh, that's so masculine. And I am the most feminine business owner. Like I try to have a balance, but I'm like, consistency is masculine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just a masculine value. And what if I want to dive into the inconsistency? What if I want to take a break? What if that could be even better for my audience? What if that's an even better example? So I really just played with with it a little bit. <laughs> but yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And so you do, you quickly mentioned the darkness piece. So why is postpartum meant to be this portal and bring about darkness? I, you know, that's beyond my pay grade to really say why. Like, <laughs> I feel like you'd have to ask mother God or something, <laughs> the feminine divine. <laughs> but, um, what I will say is that zero resistance, like you said, just don't resist it. Um, And when you lean into that darkness, it's actually a really spiritually potent time. And that's something I want you to get excited about because you women who are in the postpartum realm, if they're willing to just like go there, they can have 
intense rebirth within themselves. I, I think that's the most under talked about thing with postpartum is we're so focused on baby and physical recovery, which is good. Like, I'm glad that we're actually talking about physical recovery because there's so many pieces to that postpartum, but on a spiritual energetic level, you are in like, there's these goddesses and one of them is named Kali and Kali is like the destroyer of everything, but she does it with intense love because she knows she can build you up to something better. And that is like the energy of postpartum it is like, let's destroy, destroy. And I feel like if you're not really rebirthing in some way postpartum, then you're probably missing out on something that's there for you. Um, so yeah. I, and does that have to do with the feminine awakening that you talk about? Dude. For sure, that can happen. Yeah, you want to talk about that? I'm like, Please, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Would you? Were you referring to the episodes you've heard me talk about? Yeah, exactly. So I, you know, it's interesting that we've already brought up masculine and fe- masculine and feminine because I was the one who mapped out all the podcasts and pre-recorded six months not of episodes. Not that that's wrong. No, it's not wrong. No, I agree. Yeah. But I also have recognized as becoming a mother, the need for me to slow down and to do things in a more feminine way. And it doesn't need to be the more masculine. And so I'm looking to bridge the two um, because I've definitely been more on the masculine side for the last 10 years or so. Mm -hmm. So I'm really interested in the whole feminine awakening piece and what you have to say about that and what people who maybe like me have been dominant in one side or the other can start the the masculine side can start to lean into Mm -hmm. and what feminine awakening even means. Yeah. All right. Well, let's start with the basics and I'll be brief on this, but yeah. So there's the masculine is like consistency, it's linearness. Um, it is uh, problem solving, you know, the fixing, the way we make fun of men, like, oh, you just always want to fix it. That is the masculine. And the masculine is the container. And then the feminine is what fills the container. So then the feminine is flowiness. It's unpredictability. It is darkness. The masculine is the light. The feminine is the dark. This is just off the top of my head. But um, the feminine is also, like I said, unpredictable. Um, and she is the initiator the feminine initiates and the masculine typically responds. And so anyway, um, when it comes to kind of milking the postpartum experience, that was a good pun, (laughs) but um, really having that feminine awakening, it is, it is opening yourself to doing things differently. Yeah. And I think it can be thrust upon us and forced upon us, or it can be more like what you're experiencing, Emily, where you're, there's just a curiosity there. Um, but either way, yeah, um, during this, and by the way, when I say postpartum, I'm not talking about the first six weeks or even the first year. I truly believe that you're pregnant for nine months and then you're postpartum forever. Um, there's just different phases of postpartum. And there might become a time later in your life where that phrase is really obsolete. It doesn't you know, resonate, but a lot of women, many years after having that baby still feel and resonate as there's a part of them that's postpartum. So, um, yeah, what, is there something specific you want me to speak on with that? No, you explained it really well. I think it's just that, that shift and more than anything, I've been just trying to allow it and be curious about it. Like you said, Mm -hmm. and not put any agenda on myself Mm -hmm. about what's right or wrong. And just like, I'm a new person now and it's, it's a new chapter. And so be open to what that actually looks like and not have so much of an agenda for it. Yes. And I will say for those who own businesses, again, whether you're a mom or not, if you're wanting to bring more feminine energy 
into the way you approach business, just start finding feminine business owner, entrepreneur mentors. There's so many out there. Um, one, I think one of them that I can think of is like the abundance witch or something. I don't know. I don't even remember her first name, but like there are so many women out there because there's two types of women entrepreneurs. In my opinion, there's, there's like the very, they're like women, but they're following all the masculine rules. Um, and there's, they're still so amazing. Like there's nothing wrong with that, but then there are the women who are breaking our typical rules for business and they are really showing us what women in business can look like and what that can feel like. And especially once you have kids, I just encourage you guys to really play with that idea of how can I bring more feminine energy into my business and into the way I operate as the CEO of my business, because it will feel better to your body if you have a better balance. And speaking of balance, so I'm curious to know, because one of your episodes was all about your nervous system syncing with your kids. Yeah. And I was having a conversation with my sister-in-law about this, and I have a I have something I want to come back to regarding her in a second. Um, but we were talking about, you know, those moments where you're stressed out, and you even mentioned in the episode that the times where you really want the kids to go to bed, those are the times where they don't want to go to bed. And you realize that there was a sinking of your emotions. Yeah. And so what do you do in those moments or on those days where you are anxious or you are depressed or you do have just some sort of heightened emotion that you don't want to spread to the rest of the family? How do you handle that? Oh, that is such a good question. It's such a fun one to answer because this is me all of the time. Like I'm a, <laughs> I'm a human, right? I teach about nervous system regulation and I teach yeah. about this and that's so fun to talk about, but to live it is something I'm also doing just as often as I'm talking about it. So I have a lot to say is what I'm trying to say. Um, so the first thing is you have to know how to advocate for yourself to your partner. Because for example, let's say I want to go to Barnes and Noble and take some alone time. Like that's one of my favorite places to go. Like I'll go get a little, whatever, tea, herbal tea or something. And I'll just go sit in a little nooky corner of a bookshop. And that's like regulating and relaxing to me by myself, keywords by myself. And um, so that's going to take me arranging with the the other, my co-parent, right. And, and making sure that I have that person on board so that I can get out or hiring childcare. But both of those scenarios require me to be willing to stand up for this part of me that needs alone time. And then you standing up for that part of you. Yes. But also even recognizing it. So many women are actually, we're kind of broken in our ability to even recognize when we need alone time until we're in crisis mode. And what, what I've learned, if I, if there's nothing else that I've really mastered over the last few years, okay, I'm still mastering it. I feel like, but it's, it's avoiding the pattern of crashing and then getting help crashing mm -hmm. and then figuring out what I need. And there's nothing wrong with that. No shame. If you guys feel like you're in a state of burnout and you're like, Oh, I'm for sure crashing right now totally fine. That's where we all start. But the idea is to kind of get ahead of it to where you're being proactive and you have these systems and these ways of telling when you're kind of out of whack or whatever you need, need support. So, um, yeah. So first and foremost, like I said, being able to advocate for yourself and then, um, just remembering that your kids, like the, the number one thing, the number one gift that we can give to our kids despite what is modeled to us or what we think it is logically, it really is just our emotional regulation, our happiness. Like not, not saying that you need to be happy all the time. It's actually not, I shouldn't say it's our happiness. It's just our, our authentic relationship with ourselves. When you are mm -hmm. authentically connected to yourself and you know yourself inside and out and you know your cues and you know your triggers and you know what your inner child struggles with and, and your own grief that you're holding or whatever it is, then you are so much more real with your kids 
and you're giving them an actual real look at what it means to be human. I think so many moms are trying to, in a, in a, a place, from a place of love, but also from fear, they're trying to um, avoid and try to, trying to not give their kids everything bad that they went through. They don't need you to be their savior. They just need you to be their mother. They just need you to show them this is what it looks like to be human. Sometimes it's dark. Sometimes it's light. Sometimes it's happy. Sometimes it's sad. So I'll give you a quick example. Yesterday, I was crying out in my little private courtyard by the fountain. It's my favorite place when I'm sad. And I was crying because um, I can tell that me being this pregnant is is really, it's, I'm, I'm more emotional than I normally am. And in my marriage, we're both feeling it, but especially my husband like made a comment. I don't remember what he said, but I was just like, so sad because I could tell that we're going in different directions right now. He's being the constant, the masculine. I'm being the flowy feminine. I'm transforming. I'm going into the last two months of my pregnancy. My body is not my own, right? It's doing all these different things. So I was out there crying and my daughter came out. She's seven my only girl right now. And this one's a girl too, but she came out and she was like, Hey, are you okay? And of course I don't want to lay the world's problems all over her and like be, in a, you know, overshare. But I just, I just kind of lightly explained like, yeah, pregnancy's hard um, sometimes. And there's these changes that are happening, but they're on the inside, you know? So I just let her see me sad. But then I also genuinely felt better because she came to check on me. Like that was really sweet. And then we went and watched a movie together and I fell asleep. <laughs> but it's like, so sometimes it's with your kids and then sometimes you really just need to be away from them. But either way, knowing yourself is kind of the key. Yeah. And allowing yourself to have whatever experience is needed yeah. in that moment instead of bottling it up. Yeah. Because yeah. And there are times where I don't talk to my kids about what's going on. It yeah. wouldn't be appropriate. You know, if it's something with intimacy or it's more private, I might not go into it, but that one felt. So yeah. Yeah. So how has your experience been having so many kids uh, back to back? Because I know my sister-in-law in particular, she unexpectedly got pregnant with her second um, when she was literally 12 weeks postpartum with the first mm -hmm. and was very unexpected. Obviously, they're happy now, but it's a lot to have kids back to back. Do you find that that affects women in an even deeper or stronger way? I know for you, you, you had three back to back. So I'm curious to know. Yeah. You know, that is an interesting question. I think there's a lot of factors. It depends on um, your reasons, you know, for having kids. If I'm being completely honest, I think I was kind of bored after my first one and I wasn't super fulfilled. And I thought that having more kids would like solve that. Mm. But what actually happened, by the way, I love all my children. Don't regret any of them. They're all a blessing. And I trust that it all worked out perfectly. So just for the record. And what happened instead is I had another kid even less time for myself, even more responsibilities, even feeling even less fulfilled in the ways I wasn't feeling fulfilled before. There are ways that I was totally feeling fully expressed and fulfilled, but then there were limitations to that. And so one thing I've really worked on is, is realizing that there's a difference between the role of like the relationship of motherhood and then the the caregiving of motherhood. And I like to separate those and make sure that I'm hiring out the caregiving um, enough because I don't actually always love the caregiving, but I always love my relationship with my kids. And sometimes if I'm doing too much caregiving, my relationship with them is suffering and it's getting less quality. So that's something mm. I had to learn along the way. But yeah, I think a lot of it depends on on the motivation, like the reasons. Every Every mom knows her real reasons for wanting another baby. I'm not saying they're always 
suspect, you need to be suspect, suspicious of your reasons. Um, but like, I'm just being honest. I think that's kind of what went into some of mine. I was also looking for, for me, motherhood was the only way I knew how to be valuable in my greater community. Unfortunately, unfortunately, like societally speaking, I grew up in, in a religion and I, I love my religion, but you know, I really feel like the motherhood thing was put on a pedestal and it really wasn't talked about in a real way. And so I genuinely just thought like it was the end all be all, like it was the, the most express expression of a, being a woman and the most valuable thing I could do. And then, um, it's not glorious, right? You get in the trenches of it and you're like, Oh, I feel like a little jaded. Like this isn't what I, I all thought it would feel like or be like. Um, and so, yeah, I had to kind of redo my motherhood and figure out how I could survive in it and, and what I wanted mine to look like. And that's when I really started coming back to life. So, yeah. And I love the differentiation between caregiving and motherhood. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's so interesting. And I think so many of us put pressure on ourselves to do both all the time. Yeah. And then, you know, I said to you, I sent you an Instagram message. I was like, you know, nothing's changed with my purpose. Like I still have this big pur- purpose within my business mm-hmm. and I have this desire and dream that I want to fulfill. And you're like, well, yeah, like why would your purpose would change? change? I know what I so think in my mind. Know. Yeah. In my mind, I was thinking, you know, that a lot of people kind of lose steam and, and, you know, shut things down and then just focus on motherhood. And I don't know, like maybe I just felt like it was one or the other, um, and that I would be changing so dramatically and that that would kind of fizzle. And I think that probably comes from in the beginning of when I was pregnant, I was a little bit nauseous. I was feeling tired and, you know, you're transitioning and I didn't want to do all the things anymore, Mm -hmm. but you know, my desires have come back for that. Um, Absolutely. That's part of the feminine friend too. Like that's part of the, like, so the masculine is so used to having business done this way all the time. And so the, at the first you know, like a lot of women think that when they have their baby, it's going to be um, like that where they, they're totally going to change. But the reality is we can balance the two and we can go away for a while and then we can come back and it doesn't, um, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be like this back and forth, feminine, masculine. We go, you know, we go into the cave and then we come back out into the light and we want to be seen. And it's just like, kind of like your menstrual cycle every month, mm-hmm. except um, different. It's a different cycle as a business owner and having kids, but yeah. Yeah. It's kind of fun. What do you think is, uh, what are some of the best ways that we can support women who are postpartum? Oh my gosh. Honestly, just checking in on them and like being like, just so you know, I was thinking about you today, you know, like you are seen, even though so much of what you're doing is not, um, not being seen or not even valued. Unfortunately, I, I do feel like the, the monotonous daily stuff that we're doing, especially in that first little bit postpartum, I don't know that society values it. And so we have to be the ones to value it. I mean, maybe they do. And I'm just speaking whatever, but I think that especially if you are used to being on social media and being seen and having a big presence, it can feel really different than that. It's so different. And we have to learn that there's equal value in seeing yourself privately behind the scenes and then being seen in all of the accolades and the comments and the likes. It's like, they're both equally, can be equally as rewarding and beautiful. Um, but we have to kind of learn that. So mm-hmm. yeah, just yeah. letting them know you see them. And then also, um, sending them resources. Like, I don't think it's wrong to be like, Hey, I heard of this amazing meal service, you know, or even just gifting them like three free months. I think the biggest um, block to people helping postpartum women is they stop. They say, what can I do for you? 
like most women have a hard time telling you what to do. I don't like now I told my husband, if people ask you what they can do, here's a couple ideas, you know, but this is my fourth go around my first, second baby. I would have been paralyzed. If somebody asked me what they could do for me, I would have been in my head. Like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to be a burden. Like that was my mojo. I don't want to be a burden. (laughs) So, so just do it. Just, just be like, Hey, I, I scheduled a house cleaner. Here's a gift card. You can use it whenever you need it. Or, um, I, I have three months of hello fresh for you whenever you want it. Here's the code. Um, you know, it's just like, Oh, Hey, I'm dropping off dinner tonight. Like if you don't need it, stick it in the freezer. I just love you. And I wanted you to know I'm here. Just like, do it. What was your number one surprise after having your baby? Um, postpartum wise, what was the number one thing that surprised you? The grief. I couldn't believe I couldn't, I wouldn't have called it that at that time, but looking back in hindsight, you don't think about grieving because you have this baby and it's so happy, but I missed my life before baby. I missed the freedom, the spontaneity. I missed being able to have, you know, loud sex and not have to have quiet sex because the baby's sleeping or whatever, like all the little things that you just don't think about. Um, when you're, when you become a mom and you're now responsible for this child, I even missed just like my fun and freeness. I felt like that took a big hit for a while until I learned how to find myself again and get my own rhythms back. So yeah, I think one of the most underestimated things by, by me personally, and then also in general is, is that grief, especially women who had to really work to get pregnant. They are just as susceptible to grieving their past life as any other woman. And yet they feel the most obligation to be happy with the baby Mm -hmm. they have because they had to work so hard for it. But it's like, no, grief is part of the deal. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, thank you for explaining that. You, in one of your podcast episodes, you said you may need that karma before you reach your dharma. Mm-hmm. So I wondered if you can speak to that uh, as we Girl, start you've to wrap up. you've been studying up. up. This is it's fun. So good. This is so fun. Yeah, I created that episode after I did a 10-day yoga intensive and I learned what the actual meaning of karma and dharma are. You know, I usually just think of Taylor Swift like, karma is my boyfriend, right? It's like, karma is like the thing that comes back to you. But actually... Karma is, there's karmic energy and dharmic energy. So karmic energy is that energy of things not working out, hitting roadblocks. Um, you know, you lose, you lose the job that you thought was your dream job only to find a better dream job, you know, that you never even knew existed. So karma is there to, to take us to dead ends on purpose, even though we, we don't see it like that at first and we kind of panic because it's actually opening us to our dharma. And your dharma is like, finding your perfect career or your perfect online job that you love or um, yeah, Dharma is like things just align and you're, you've found your life's purpose and calling. And so, yeah, my idea with that episode, what I'm talking about is that postpartum mental health was my karma to lead me to my Dharma. My Dharma is um, postpartum coaching, but I would have never probably gotten there had I not been through the harrowing, karmic energy of breakdown and suffering and all that. So I'm not trying to say you need to suffer in order to be happy. Um, but yeah, that karmic route took me out of where I thought I, like it took me out of living for society and living for the external took me on this internal journey where I found myself and I engaged with my real true authentic self. And then from there I was able to build a life that was more accurately tailored to her and that I wouldn't trade that for anything. 
Yeah. I mean, so often the mess or whatever, what we, the challenge, um, brings us to the thing that we're meant to do. And it's, it's such a positive thing when you think about it. Like we talked about your body knowing and your body having so much wisdom. Well, you know, life often does things for us and takes us places that we wouldn't have otherwise imagined or chosen, but are our Dharma. Yeah. You're so wise. It's true. It's true. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for your time. I have one final question that we ask all of our guests. What is one way that people can create a life that far exceeds their expectations and is better than their dreams? Oh my gosh. My instant answer is work on that self-worth because when you vibrate at the energy of I am worthy, literally anything will come to you that you desire. (laughs) And so um, really honing in on that self-worth. It is, in my opinion, when it comes to manifesting and and energetically attracting things, it is the foundation. So just like the nervous system is the foundation of good mental health and um, physical health, I do think that that I am worthy, you know, just because I'm alive, having your worthiness not be dependent on anything um, and really embodying and truly feeling it, even in times where you, you know, your shadow self presents and you're doing things that you're not proud of or whatever, it's like, and I'm worthy. So even when, right? So that's, that'd probably be my answer. Thank you. Yeah. And, and where peace, can people find you? <laughs> I feel like miscongeniality. Yeah. <laughs> where can people find you online? Okay. So I have a podcast. If you're a podcasty, the, the postpartum coach podcast, and it's free. There's like 290 episodes or something right now. I've been doing that for a few years and it's my love. So check out the podcast. I'm on um, social media. Instagram, lizzie.postpartumcoach. That's L-I-Z-Z-I-E dot postpartum coach. Um, and then I have a free mini course. So if you're like jiving with what I'm saying and you kind of want to have a little bit more intimate chat with me, um, my mini course is really good. So it's just lizzielangston.com and it's the out of the postpartum rep mini course. And then finally, if that, you know, if you love that, I've got a paid course. You can go to lizzielangston.com forward slash course and actually buy my course. It's called Postpartum Freedom. And by the way, it is not just for postpartum women. It literally could be for anybody who's resonating with the feminine and the masculine and the nervous system healing and the getting back to baseline. And so it's it's available for you if this work is calling to you. So Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Lizzie. I so appreciate you and your time and your wisdom. I'm excited to dive into even more of your episodes. So thank you for doing this work for all of us who need it. Yeah. I'm so flattered that you'd have me on, Emily. Thank you so much. Did you know I bought your course? Like I told you that. I, bought, yeah, I actually amazing. bought the I Heart My Life course, guys, when I was like postpartum with my first. So it's a full circle moment. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the I Heart My Life show. Now do us a favor and tell people about this episode. It's truly our duty to make sure that the I Heart My Life movement is spread far and wide. The truth is life can be challenging, but it is possible for all women to love themselves and their lives. And while you're at it, send a link to this episode to three of your friends today, or maybe even post it on social media. Use the hashtag I Heart My Life show. That's hashtag I Heart My Life show. And if you'd like to help me personally, then please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us some stars, cheer us on, and leave a review because believe it or not, that stuff actually really does help. And I read all of them. Please remember everything you desire is meant for you and possible. Keep showing up, taking action, and believing in your dreams.